Hey friends, welcome back to the Your Project Shepherd Construction Podcast. Today's show is going to be a Zoom interview that I recently recorded with Ed Earl. Ed owns Priority One Projects in Southern California, and he's also known as the Zen Builder. And we're going to talk more about what that means. He's a nationally known speaker. It presents regularly to builders associations and at conferences. And like me, he's an owner's representative. I've been wanting to interview another owner's rep for a while now, so I'm super excited to bring you this interview. So without further delay, here's my interview with Ed Earl. Ed Earl, thank you so much for joining me today on the Your Project Shepherd podcast. Great to have you. Well, it's great to be here, Curtis. Thank you so much for inviting me. I enjoyed meeting you at my uh, presentation last year at Houston, and uh, I'm excited to be on your show. Yeah. So uh, like you said, we met a few months back. Uh, You were here in Houston speaking at a a Builders Association event. And, uh, you know, afterwards we were able to chat and and, uh, I got briefly to know about what you do. And uh, at that time, I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast. So I'm I'm super excited to have you here. That presentation that you did at the Builders Association was a, uh, the topic was uh, Zen building. And you're, you're kind of known as the Zen builder. Uh, which I think is a really interesting name, and there's a backstory there. So why don't you share with uh, share with us what th- what that's all about? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I've actually been a practitioner of Zen Buddhism for about 20 years. I've studied under a Zen master named Thich Nhat Hanh, and uh, he actually just passed away last year. And um, originally from Vietnam, and uh, has monasteries all over the world, including one here in San Diego. And uh, I was actually asked to be the owner's rep uh, for the construction of a nunnery at the uh, at the monastery. And uh, so it was a very enlightening experience, right? Because usually my clients are, you know, very wealthy individuals building estate homes or doing very complex multi-million dollar remodels. And um, instead, my clients were, you know, this this group of very centered, very mindful uh, monastics who really had a different view on the construction process and the project themselves. And all of that really helped me to, to really understand and gain a better perspective on the construction process. And I think it really comes down to the fact that the homeowner and the builder have such different perspectives and experiences and knowledge about the construction project. That's where I think most of the issues that arise in a construction project are due to those differences in perspectives. And by working with the with the, the monastics uh, and and um, and Thich Nhat Hanh's organization really helped me to see that. And so, really, it was out of that process that I then became a public speaker. Um, I was on the speech and debate team in college and did a bunch of speaking back then. But I thought when I went into construction that there really wouldn't be much of an opportunity for me. To be a public speaker, but it was out of that experience that I had that I started giving uh, presentations to various construction organizations about how to reduce conflict uh, in the construction process, how to build trust, how to reduce the drama that often occurs. And so that's the topics that I, I speak on in my presentations and was the subject of the presentation that you saw there at the Custom Builders Organization in Houston there. So what what are the, the most common reasons that there is conflict at construction projects. What are what do you see the most often? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest component is the emotional component. 
And that's something that I think the builders often don't appreciate or understand, and even the homeowners don't. Um, so I'm also a business coach, and I work with a couple of colleagues, one of which is David Luperger. And David Luperger has written this book called Managing the Emotional Homeowner. And I think it's such an informative uh, piece, both for contractors as well as for homeowners. And in there, he has this chart where he tracks the emotions that a homeowner is going to experience during a home construction project. And I love that. I, I give it to all of my clients. Actually, I just had a new client uh, last week and I sent her that, that uh, roller coaster chart. And she wrote back and said, okay, I'm gonna fasten my seatbelt, you know? Um, and so that's the component. And it's the, the issue is that, you know, the projects that we're working on are people's homes. And this is for most people, their most valuable possession. And it's also their most important possession, right? It's where they raise their family and it's where they call their home, it's their nest egg. And so for all of those reasons, every decision that they make in regards to either building a, a new home or remodeling their existing one has additional emotional weight because of that, right? And that's something that the homeowner often doesn't understand. God, I'm so stressed about these decisions. I don't know why. Well, it's very different than if you were making these decisions for something else, you know? And builders don't see it that way. They oftentimes can't appreciate that emotional side of it, right? For them, it's just a, a project. It's got to get done. It's got to get done on budget and on time. And they don't appreciate that emotional component. And they don't have the compassion to really understand what their clients are going through in, in making all of these decisions. Yeah. For you and I, it's just another day at the office. We, we, we do multiple of these every single year. Right. And uh, for them, this might be the only time in their life they do this, or maybe maybe twice in their lifetime, they might go through the process of building a home. So right. yeah, emotions just uh, run super high. And I think that you can prepare people. Uh, I, I had the same chart. Uh, I, I've seen it called different things. I've seen it called the emotional roller coaster or the funk chart or, or different things. Right. And, 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 and I love that, that chart. And um, I think that you can try to prepare people for that. But until you're in the middle of it, uh, it's it, it's hard to understand, and sometimes people forget that you prepared them for that, right? So right. sometimes you have to refer back and say, "Hey, you know, on this chart that I gave you, here's where we are now. So, you know, this is this is expected. I I, I kind of prepped you for this, right?" <laughs> yeah, and I think you know another thing too. I think you know HDTV and the home makeover shows have really kind of done a disservice for homeowners because they simplify the process, right? And they make it seem like it's so quick and so easy. And in reality, it's neither, right? It takes a lot of time and it's not that easy. And there's mistakes that are going to be made along the way, you know, by both sides, by the builder and by the homeowner. And of course, they never dwell on those in, the, in, in that. But uh, I mean, I know personally, we're actually going through, we're in the design stages of doing a, a home remodel here. And um, we hired our design build firm nine months ago, and we've totally changed our design a couple of times and, uh, you know, at, for various reasons. But I, I understand this process and I keep telling my wife, look, you know, it just it's OK. This is part of it. we got to take, you know, a long time to get it right in the design stages before we really start that construction. And we don't know what's going on. I mean, we were looking at ideas last night. She was on had a great idea, really. She got onto Zillow. And she looked at other homes in our neighborhood, right, that were built by the same builder. And she went into their sales listings and, oh, look at they, they took a wall out here. Or they, they added this, look where they moved their refrigerator. And so we got a lot of really great ideas from that. 
And um, that's, I think, the process, the planning process and the amount of time that it takes. That's another thing that I really emphasize um, with my, my homeowner clients as well, is to be patient, take time. Uh, originally, our project was going to be, part of it was going to be a granny flat for my mother, who my dad, uh, father just passed away recently, and she was going to move in with us. So I was like, we got to get this done. We got to get it done. Mom's got to move in with us. Well, now we've changed that. And actually, mom's moved into a senior living community. And, um, and that's, you know, kind of removed that, that time deadline that we had. And I feel like the design process is going to go so much better because we don't have that deadline anymore. Yeah, it's always interesting to be to be in the process uh, as on the other side. You know, uh, we've done the same thing. You know, we, we we did our kitchen and a couple of rooms in our home, and being on the the flip side of that is is always eye opening experience, and uh, yeah. it it actually helps you to understand what the what the customer's going through. Mm-hmm. It does. So, so one of the things that you and I both do that we have in common is we're both owners' representatives. So, your company, Priority One Projects, I think that you, that you actually call it a project manager, but project manager, owners' representative, uh, kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. So, for for our viewers and listeners who don't know what an owners' rep is or does, why don't you give us a brief explanation? Sure, I will. And the reason I use project manager is because people don't know what an owners' rep is. Most people right. don't. You know, I started on the, the commercial side of construction and owner's reps are very common in the commercial side, but on the residential side, not so much. I think they're as, as, as important, if not more important on the residential side. But um, so the but kind of my elevator pitch of the way that I uh, the way I describe what I do is that I'm a professional advisor hired by homeowners that are either building a custom home or doing a high end remodel. And I help them assemble their team, select their architect, their builder, their interior designer, and put that team together. And then I communicate, coordinate, and integrate between all of the people involved in the construction process on that team to help to smooth out that construction process and you know, have the objective of bringing it in on budget and on time. But more important than that, I feel, is to really reduce the stress level and to make sure that the, the client really gets what they want. Because I think that's really those two objectives of reducing the stress and them getting really what they want are more important than bringing it in on budget and on time. Right. That's a great explanation. I like to say that everybody that's involved in the process, the architect, the builder, the interior designer, everyone kind of has their own agenda. Even if they're great partners and the people that we work with are, are great partners, but at the end of the day, really, everybody ha- is watching out for themselves. They have their own agenda. Maybe, maybe uh, the, the architect or designer, their agenda is they want to get it in a magazine uh, or they want to um, you know, make sure that their design aesthetic is kept to. Um, and the builder is understandably concerned about his bottom line, and he wants something that he can put on his website, right? So everyone kind of has their own agenda. Um, and somebody has to be the one that's there that's looking out for the homeowner, especially if it's somebody that hasn't been through the process. And again, most people haven't, uh, or somebody that's just really busy that doesn't have the time to be really engaged in the in the in the project, or they just don't have that level of knowledge. So um, I like to say that you know we we stay we stand in place for the homeowner and the project, and we become them uh, for purposes of the project. So. Oftentimes, we're the only one who is really beholden to the homeowner or the, the only one that's really watching out for them, right? 
That's a great point. And that's exactly right, Curtis. Yeah, everyone does have their own interests and for good reason, you know, and they're not always in alignment with the homeowner. And so the homeowner really needs that advocate, that owner's rep to be the one person in that in that room, in those those roundtable discussions that that's looking out for the homeowner's best interest. Yeah, I think people uh, tend to to say, "Well, if I if I hire a good builder, why do I need an owner's rep?" <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and I mean that's a, that's a great argument. Too. And and you know what? Not every project needs it. Uh, if it's a smaller build or uh, maybe below a certain threshold, maybe it's not a necessary expense. Uh, the the bigger, the more complex the project is, I think the more it's necessary. Or even on smaller projects, if it's um, just something that you don't have time to be involved in personally, right. maybe you maybe you own a business or um, you're just busy with work or you have a lot of family commitments uh, and you don't have the time to put into being on the site or kind of communicating with all the parties that have to be communicated with, that's when you need an owner's rep. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, but I've done I've done some, you know, fairly small projects for some very, you know, busy, successful people. And, um, you know, but they they look at how much their time's worth and they go, well, look, Ed, I, you know, I'd much rather pay you, you know, for every hour that I pay you, you're saving me two hours. So I'm ahead of ahead of the game. And so, yeah, yeah I've done, you know, even just a kitchen remodel uh, before um, for someone that, that really gets that and understands. Yeah. Hey, I'm super busy. I just want someone to take care of all this stuff for me. So. Well, and. I'm not sure about you, but like we we offer even uh, hourly services. So if, if it's a project where somebody doesn't feel like they need us or want us engaged on the whole thing, um, we can even offer uh, kind of some key checkpoints. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe before contract, we're like reviewing some specifications and documents. And um, during construction, we have kind of key quality assurance checkpoints that we're going to come by the job site, do a walkthrough check out the plans. And, and so it's kind of, it's kind of a reduced service, uh, but we're right. still, we're still there checking it at key points to make sure that your interests are being looked out for. So that's something that right. I offer. I'm not sure if you do the same thing. Yeah. I actually uh, charge an hourly for all of my services. Um, yeah. For it just, I just realized that every project is so different and it was just really hard to kind of know in advance and be able to price my services. Um, and also, you know, I, uh, if you charge kind of a percentage of the total cost, then, you know, there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there. I mean, sometimes I will recommend to my clients, you know, I think you should build that guest house, you know, knowing what I know about you and everything else. I think you're going to regret it if you don't do it now. And, you know, if in the back of the mind, it goes, well, yeah, of course, because he's getting, you know, X percentage of that. That's why he's telling us to build that. So, but yeah, I do um, everything on an hourly basis. And yeah, I have one client right now um, who is building a custom home, but he's super hands-on. He literally lives like two blocks away. He's at the job site every day. And we get together once or twice a month, uh, for a job site meeting, just to kind of touch bases on things. And, uh, you know, it's whatever, five, five, six hours a, a month kind of thing. It's a very nominal amount of engagement. And then, you know, I've got other projects where I'm there almost every day. And, um, and I just do whatever the client asks me to do. I, I had one client want me to go out and help them pick their audio equipment. So, you know, we were going to like audio showrooms and picking up, you know, all of their equipment. So it yeah. just depends. 
Well, so so th- this season of our podcast, we're talking about you know what do things cost. So that's a great a great segue uh, in, into that topic. So you mentioned that you charge hourly, you know, as do I. Um, and what what we do, and you probably do something similar, is we'll kind of take a retainer like an attorney might uh, for a block of hours. So we'll we'll bill for twenty hours, forty hours, depending mm-hmm. on the size of the project. We'll bill that block of hours. And then as we use the hours, you know, we'll track those in our time clock software. Um, and then once that those are used up, we'll bill for another block of hours. And as we right. approach the as we approach the end of the project, um, that might be reduced if there's just a little bit of work left or whatever. But we're kind of uh, just billing in, in in retainer blocks. As far as what does it cost, you know, it, it does add a, a reasonable expense to the project. But again, that can be tailored to what you need us to do. Anyway, do, do, do you do you do kind of the, the similar thing yeah. in billing? Yeah, very similar. I take a retainer at the beginning and then I, I bill hourly. I, I don't bill in retainer increments. I actually just bill hourly and then I apply the retainer towards the, the last. But I think, you know, to the point about cost, I think you have to define what you mean by cost. And I think it's really important that you look at it not just from a monetary cost, but you have to look at the overall cost. And I think the other non-monetary components of cost are really, for most of my clients, the more important and the more valuable. You know, things like their time, their stress level, um, their their ability to focus on other items. I think all of those are are really the most important thing. And so if you look at, you know, whatever fee they pay me monetarily and compare that to what I've saved them, in terms of time and stress and allowing them to focus on their personal and professional lives and all of that stuff, it more than offsets whatever they pay me monetarily. Absolutely. Two or three episodes now ago on the podcast, we had an, an attorney on and we were talking about kind of uh, the kind of the cost of when these things go south, the, mm. the, the cost of litigation and uh, all that kind of stuff too. So you know, if, if if things were to get to that point, it, it's a whole nother world of uh, stress in your life and heartache that by having an owner's rep involved, hopefully you can head off that, you know, if things never get to that point, because we're here watching out for you during that process, because right. a lot of those, uh, you know, those problems that people have with their projects are unrealistic expectations, poorly defined scopes of work just kind of a lack of clarity, a lack of communication. Mm. And so those are all kind of the, the things that, that we really focus on. You know, hey, it, what what is the scope of work? What is the specification? What are we doing here exactly? Um, and then making sure that you're getting that. You know, we're holding the builder, the subcontractors accountable for producing what they've committed to pr- to to provide to you. So by having us making sure that happens, hopefully it never gets to that point. Right of the heartache of having to go the the litigation route in a project. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very true. I think another thing too that's really important that and a role that I play is putting that team together from the very beginning, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's the old kind of the old model, I call it the the military approach to uh to to construction where, you know, they hire an architect, they design the plans, then they go out and get three bids from from three different general contractors, and you know the architect gives the plans to the to the contractor, and the contractor gives the marching orders to the subs, and it's this kind of top down 
you know, situation where what I really like to do is to build that team from the very beginning, right? So maybe you start with the architect, but within the same month, you're also having discussions and hiring your builder at the same time. So you have your architect, your builder, your interior designer, me as the owner's rep, all together as a team from the very beginning. And so from the very beginning, we're, we're designing to a budget and not just where if an architect has no budget, they just design to a concept. And invariably, I'm sure, Curtis, as you know, most uh, you know uh, uh, projects that are designed by architects without any input from the rest of the team end up costing way more than what the client expected or, or can afford. Yep, absolutely. That's the best way to to approach it. We that's that's something that we've talked about many times on this on this podcast is building that team from the very beginning. It's I think unusual for people to think of hiring an owner's rep who's then gonna, going to choose the team, you know, and and, and we're not going to choose the team blindly. We're still going to involve our client in in that process, but here in Houston, I, I know most of the architects in town. I know most right. of the good builders in town are kind of in my network. So I'm sure it's the same in, in Southern California where you're at. And so, you know, we, we kind of know those personalities and we know, hey, you know, this, this is pro- probably the right guy for this project, maybe, maybe based on personality or maybe based on he's done this type of project before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we kind of have that, that knowledge of, of, of what's in the marketplace to help you make a good decision to, to put your team together, right? Right, exactly. Yep, that's very true. And then I think too, because of you know your reputation and connections in Houston, mine in Southern California, it also raises the level of accountability to the project, right? Because if the homeowner just goes and hires the builder and the builder doesn't end up doing a good job, well, then he's not gonna get any recommendations from that homeowner, obviously. But if he messes up when he's working with you or with me, he knows that you know we're frequently recommending builders and and talking to lots of people in the industry. So he's you know got more of an incentive to really perform than if he was just working individually for for a, one homeowner. Exactly. We talked. I think in the in the um, sorry in the presentation that you did at the HBA, one of the things that you talked about was what are what types of clients are kind of the I hate to use the word nightmare clients on something here focused <laughs> to, to, to homeowners, but yeah. Kind of what are what what are the what types of people tend to have the hardest time in a right. construction in a construction environment? Um, yeah. Maybe maybe what kind of people shouldn't go through this process? Right. Yeah, that's great. That's a good way to put it. And that is, it's, I, I call them difficult clients. But they're they're. It's not only that they're difficult to work with, but they have a difficult time in working through a construction project. And number one on my list is engineers. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of different people that you could argue, but engineers, I think are, are really a unique breed. Uh, my son's a, a an engineer, so I know firsthand, you know, my wife's an engineer. Um, yeah. And, and the thing with engineers is, you know, they're super precise thinkers and they, they think very rationally and logically, and they, they want everything to kind of be causally related, right? So this happens and then this, and then this. And the thing is that in a construction project, it doesn't work that way. There's lots of uncertainties and unpredictable things in a construction project. And those things are harder for engineers to understand and to deal with. Um, I think another thing too, is that, you know, engineers are used to kind of having a lot of knowledge or being able to get the knowledge and figure things out. I tell the story as I did in that presentation that you saw 
where I saw this guy walk by and I was like, yeah, I could just tell he was an engineer. And then I said, well, it was because he was wearing this shirt, right? And the shirt says, um, of course I know I'm right. I'm an engineer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's the way it is with engineers. And I think too, even if engineers, oftentimes they're in construction, right? They might be a structural engineer or, you know, mechanical engineer. And so they go, oh, well, I'm in construction. I understand that. But oftentimes they're, they're engineers in commercial construction. And it goes back to what I said earlier about the emotional component. So they're not used to dealing with the emotional component of a construction project. I show this picture of an engineer designing a bridge and I say, yeah, sure, it's easy for him to design this bridge, but imagine if he had to work with his wife and decide what color he had to paint the bridge. That would be a different <laughs> story, right? So uh, yeah, so that's that's why I think engineers are are, are difficult. Another thing that was actually brought up to me when I gave this presentation to a NARI group in Minneapolis a few years back, one guy raised his hand. And he said, I, I've had this engineer client. And he said, the problem is that if you think about what engineers do for a living, they're always re-engineering things, right? They're always trying to make things better. They're always trying to re-engineer things. And he did the same thing with my project. He was always changing things. He said, I had so many change orders from this engineer because he was always, oh, I thought of this. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so... I think that that can, can be another big factor. Um, the last one, I think, when dealing with engineers is for them to really understand and appreciate, and I always tell my, my builders to, to explain their projects this way, that they really are building a prototype. And that, I think, really helps an engineer to understand the uncertainties and unpredictability in a residential construction project. You know, let's say they've hired a builder to kitchen remodel or to remodel their kitchen. And they go, well, God, this guy's done 100 kitchens before. You know, this isn't a prototype. Well, it actually is because he's never built this exact kitchen before. Maybe even if he's done your neighbor that's got the same, you know, model in the, in the track that he's redone this kitchen. But he's never worked with you before. So that's what really makes it a prototype. And also the fact that, you know, in construction, it's not like um, a cell phone, right? Where, you know, Apple puts up an iOS and there's all these bugs in it and then they, they, they fix all the bugs and then they push up a new one, you know, a few days later. A construction project, you can't do that, right? You have one chance to get it right. And, and that really changes it as well. And that's what also makes it um, a component of, of being, a, being a prototype. So for yeah. all of those reasons, that's why I put engineers at the top of my list for, for difficult clients. So, yeah, and yeah, yeah, here in in our market, we deal with a lot of engineers, uh, big oil and gas market. So we get a lot of petroleum engineers, chemical engineers, all that kind of thing, and they're not involved in in residential construction at all. But it's the same mentality. I think in those situations, what you know, whether you're a whether you are an engineer watching this or whether you're a builder watching this. Um, I think that it's a great example of why having an owner's rep in the kind of in the middle of you is a great thing. You know, we're not going to stop engineers from wanting to build houses, nor should we. We're not going to stop builders from having engineers as clients. But I think both parties can greatly benefit from having an owner's rep. It's kind of a middleman to to manage the the emotions of the process and just mm -hmm. helps help set expectations. I wish many, many times in the past when I had engineer clients that I kind of had somebody in the middle there to kind of set the tone for both parties. I think, I think on your list, the other one uh, that you had that was a kind of a common problem client was attorneys, right? Yes. Um, I've actually always had good experiences with attorneys and, and maybe I've just been lucky. 
I think that most of the attorneys that I've worked with have kind of had the attitude of, you know, eh, if something goes wrong, I'll just sue you. <laughs> right. you know, the attorneys tend to read their contract even less than anyone. I, I, the attorney reads the contract way less than an engineer does. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a great attorney story I had when I was given the presentation one time, this builder came up to me afterwards. He said, I have this great story. He said, you know, I had my attorney draft my, my uh, construction contract, right? And he said, you know, a few years later, he contacted me and uh, wanted me to do a remodel for him. So, you know, I filled my contract out and said, gave it to him. And he comes back to me. He's like, well, I'm not going to sign this thing. I've got some clauses in here I have problems with. And the builder's like, you, you wrote the darn thing. Come on, what do you mean, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's funny. I think another thing, too, and I, I talk about this uh, kind of a humorous part of my presentation, is about the, the fact that, you know, there's this stereotype of, of residential builders as being dishonest, right? And yeah. so that's, you know, a, a myth that has really been propagated in television shows and television commercials. And I play a couple of commercials and, and talk about these TV shows. Uh, and while, you know, it's really more of a, I think, a myth, and I call it that, but it's a reality for, for many people, right? Because they see these, these stories about these ripoff contractors, and so they have this inherent mistrust of the construction industry. And if you think about what an attorney is paid to do, they're paid to, to not trust people, to go, okay, well, what would happen if something goes wrong? So I think in one way, they, they have that kind of subconscious conversation in the back of their mind because they're, you know, probably just a part of our culture is that, you know, the dishonest contractor. And so I think it then makes it harder for attorneys to develop that trust. And that's another thing I see in my presentation, right? That as a, as a business coach to contractors, you know, I'll ask my contractor coaching clients, what's the first and most important thing that you need to build in your construction project? And I'll say, you know, it's not the foundation or the framing, it's trust and trust uh, is really the key to every construction project. Until you have built a level of trust with your client, you're not going to have a successful construction project. And I think that trust component is another big issue for attorney clients as well. Yeah, I, there are very few, I don't want to say any, but there are very few contractors out there who go into a project saying, I'm going to screw somebody or this is going to go badly. I, I think everyone, for the most part, goes into the project wanting a, a successful project. Things tend to go off the rails when trust is lost uh, and, and not regained or when expectations aren't met. I'm not sure if you do this, but you know, I get hired here uh, to kind of help w work with uh, troubled projects to get them back on kind of back on track. Um, unfortunately, people don't think they need an owner's rep until they do, nice. and then it's yeah. too late sometimes. Mm. I, I got a call the other day, uh, last week, to help with a project that's already in litigation. I said it's too late. You're, you're already yeah. way past that point. Exactly. Again, that's a great a great reason to hire an owner's rep early in the process. Don't don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until it's off the rails because we can only do so much once trust is lost. It's really hard to regain. Um, and and so, sometimes we are able to kind of get the parties back together. If the project's close to being finished, we can kind of get the parties separated and, and get things done and kind of off the books. But it's way better if we can be involved in the very beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel the same way, Curtis. I, I won't take on you know, uh, projects that are already in litigation. Cause like you said, it's just too far gone. 
Um, yeah. And ideally, you know, I love to be brought in at the beginning and be able to build that team that I talked about earlier. But unfortunately, you know, probably half of my jobs I've brought in after that. And I have a job right now that I'm doing where, you know, the, the, my client, you know, hired an architect who kind of drew this great design uh, and then couldn't make it happen. And then, you know, hired a second one and then hired a builder. And by the time he brought me in, um, the builder had already been at it for almost a year. And still with kind of no idea of when this thing was going to be completed or how much it was going to, what was going to cost. And um, so I was able to come in and, and, and help to, to add some structure and organization to it. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of cloud-based construction project management systems and have been for, for years. And, and I always talk about them in my, my presentations, but this is a perfect example where, you know, this was a kind of an old school builder. He wasn't using a cloud-based system, you know, really didn't have, he didn't have a schedule. He had no schedule. And um, so I, you know, went in and we brought in Builder Trend and, you know, put a project schedule together and a budget. And so now we have some documentation and accountability there and and we're doing much better and making uh, project, uh, progress with the project. Yep. Even if uh, the builder has, you know, Builder Trend, Co-Construct, a, a cloud-based uh, software, uh, oftentimes, well, f most of the time, not everyone is using it. You know, the builder is using it, but you still right. got the you still got the architect and the designer and the engineer and the homeowner who may who may not be buying into that as well. So sometimes, you know, we we you know we separate from the builder. If he has his software, sometimes we're even setting up our own project schedule that's kind of a little bit higher level than just the build schedule to help manage and, and, and to get buy-in from from every from all the parties to make sure that everyone's kind of seeing that or or just a tool that we can use to manage it if the builder is maybe not doing his the right way or staying on top of it so right well i think that's about about all i have today uh, ed i really appreciate you being with us it's been fantastic like i said ever since i I met you. I wanted to have you on, and uh, you're the first owner's rep that I've had as a guest on the podcast, and that's something that I've been looking forward to ever since we started. Because really, this whole podcast, ever since I started, was kind of building to the point of you really need an owner's rep, and so it's great to have you on and have your your explanation of of what you do. And I hope that helps people understand what our role in this and uh, their project can be. Exactly, Curtis. And I really appreciate what you're doing because I think that's the biggest challenge that we face as owners reps is that people don't don't know we exist. They don't understand the, the need that they have for that. And so I think that your podcast is really a, doing a great job of educating the uh, our, our potential clients, the homeowners, about the importance of having an owner's rep and how much that we can do to really be able to, to save, you know, not just the uh, money, but more importantly, time and stress and everything else that it takes to undertake a residential construction project. Well, thanks again, Ed. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching uh, this episode of the Your Project Shepherd podcast. And just remember uh, that every project has to be built like the simple child's drawing of a house that you'll see here, here on the screen. The foundation is proper planning. The left wall is your team. The right wall is communication, and the roof protecting it all is proper execution. Have all four of those components in place, and your project will be solid. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.